Welcome to Soundtrack Your Life, a podcast about soundtracks, music, and movies. Each episode features a guest and focuses on a specific soundtrack and the personal stories connected to it. Now here's your host, Ryan Pack. This is Soundtrack Your Life, the podcast where we talk about soundtracks and we share some personal stories. My name is Ryan Pack. I am your host. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the 2017 Edgar Wright film Baby Driver. Our guest composes the music for this podcast. He's also a member of the group Rubber Spaniel. Uh, he is the Chicago-based musician Phil Bertolfo. Hi. Welcome to the show, Phil. Hi. Thanks so much for having me, Ryan. Um, so I've known Phil for a very long time. We go all the way back. Um, we go all the way back to college. Um, and that's kind of an important part of why we're talking about Baby Driver because um, one of the bands that we bonded over back in college was the John Spencer Blues Explosion, and they're a pretty important part, or their music is a very important part of, of the film. Yeah, that's right. Um, in fact, uh, well, I, I mean, if you've seen the movie um, or if you know anything about the movie, a lot of people, uh, or like a big a big thing about it is that opening scene, that that. Uh, uh, wonderful uh, music video, basically of a, of a heist scene. Uh, the song uh, is John Spencer Blues Explosions Bell Bottoms, um, and uh, and he just did like a just a fantastic job. Edgar Wright did a fantastic job cutting that. Like uh, it's not it's a song I've known since high school, so going back over twenty years now, and uh, I never once thought of it as like a heist song <laughs> uh but the way he put it in the movie it just like works perfectly like generally i i i i think that uh if a, something like that would kind of put me off like a, a song i would be really familiar with um recontextualized in some way but uh, i think he did a kind of an amazing job with it yeah i mean i don't think I would have ever thought in, you know, a million years that the John Spencer Blues explosion would be used in a major motion picture like this. Yeah. I mean, they've been used on other soundtracks, but not like, like in this movie, like you literally see him like pull out his iPod and pull up John Spencer Blues explosion. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and this isn't a movie that's set in the 90s. This is basically a present day film. And yeah. he uses he uses bell bottoms um, so beautifully, but um, back in college, you told me that you did something with a song by the John Spencer Blues Explosion in a talent show, right? No, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I had uh, uh, the this um, this is gonna sound uh, like I'm tooting my own horn, but the only audition that I never passed actually was. Uh, trying to play bellbot this song bell bottoms uh for for a talent show uh, i had been in like the school talent show every year prior and then and then the year after but uh but that the year i tried out with uh with bell bottoms was the year that i did not get in <laughs> um and uh and so seeing it in this movie and seeing it like suddenly be become like a popular song like uh 
it, 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 it feels very vindicating to me. <laughs> to my high school self like uh we i remember there was like a time restraint on on the audition so i couldn't play the whole song it's a pretty long song and then there's that like the whole you know uh, uh kind of shafty uh string slow thing at the beginning um and we had to just cut that we were just like well no we'll just do the fast part that's like the cool part of the song anyway um so we started our audition with the with the like weird john spencer monologue which like coming from like a scrawny high school nobody who is not John Spencer, <laughs> you know, <laughs> talking about bell bottoms, uh, like no one, no one watching that audition was excited <laughs> about what we had going on, and then we went launched into probably like a pretty weak version of it, and so we didn't get it, um, uh. But yeah, no. Seeing seeing it's the song suddenly become popular because of this movie uh, is has been very gratifying as an adult. Yeah. So what's weird is, so they were moderately successful. Like they didn't make it into the mainstream in the '90s. But I think you're like the only person who who I knew that liked them. Yeah. That I didn't have to like get you know. Like, you knew who they were before I met you. Like, I had other friends who liked them, but it's because I was like, oh, you should listen to the John Spencer Blues Explosion. Yeah. You were the first person where it's like, oh, you have John Spencer Blues Explosion CDs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're like auxiliary records were always more interesting than the records that they put out. Like, I think the best record is probably or- Orange. Um, but, um, you know, the record before... and. But the record before it was extra right. width, right? And uh, and they had they put out on like like a some small label the EP or like they put out like a full album after that called Mo Width, and it's just like the jams from Extra Width and Mo Width is like raw as fuck. It's like really good. I don't know. They keep doing this. It's like a weird. It's a weird thing where their best stuff is like not the records that they put out, even though their records are like really good even though like orange is really good you're definitely better with the like eps in between the the john spencer albums <laughs> because i'm the their only fan <laughs> no i mean it obviously they had did you ever wonder like where because they were they were a pretty successful band you know like obviously they weren't like yeah. you know they weren't like a billboard top 40 band or anything like that but like I, no, I remember going to shows and being like, oh, thank God there's other people at these shows. Because <laughs> I felt like no one knew what the fuck I like, was talking about. Was it about. just they they attracted an older crowd or was it they attracted... I don't know. I, I always thought it was like, oh, all their friends are in like the East Coast. <laughs> I think a lot of it was it was an East... I think a lot of it feels like an East Coast thing. Um, maybe I'm wrong about that, but they do feel like particularly New York. I think also... Um, they're kind of a hard sell on name alone. It just sounds pretentious. And then the word blues is in it. And everyone is just like, no, thanks. Like it's too long to remember Sergeant Pepper's blues. What? No, thanks. Like, I think everyone's just like, I'm not going to listen to the band with a name that long. Um, and then, and then I think what they are is just so strange. It's just like two low tuned guitars and a drummer and the drummer's very sparse. I mean, it's it's like 
it, it's it's almost as stripped down as white stripes it's almost it's like playing in that same field of like simple but hard but i think like john spencer blues explosion is just like too trashy for the general public which i don't think is bad i think that's like what it, what it should be he's what he's what he he and that band are what they should be yeah but i'm um, kind of surprised that like between the white stripes and the rise of the black keys that like somehow they didn't accidentally have like a hit in between i think they were too old at that point i think they were like 40 or almost 40 or something you know and like white stripes when that was all going on like white stripes and strokes and like the hives and all that like uh i guess that's a different i guess like the hives and the strokes are a different breed but like white stripes and like you said like black keys yeah yeah i mean i think they were just kind of aimed younger you know and like these these kind of weren't and they kind of weren't doing the same thing like i feel like john spencer blues explosion um to me it's kind of like the end game of rolling stones like what rolling stones (laughs) if you boil (laughs) rolling stones down further with 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 like yeah, I feel like if you boil them down further, you get the John Spencer Blues <laughs> explosion. I'm gonna get if you're gonna I, p- people are gonna hate your podcast now that I said that. <laughs> I'm very sorry for ruining your entire podcast, Ryan, but I, that's just what I believe. <laughs> you just get this dirty, gross American trio that's just kind of vamping on some hard shit, right? Like, um, I mean, Judah Bauer is a beast. John Spencer is not so great on the guitar, but what he's doing is uh boiling it down to growls and grunts and this is the weird thing i watched the movie with captions we we were we're kind of a captions family because uh we got kids that are asleep at night and we don't want to have the movies on too loud and our air conditioner's loud so like we put the captions on in case we miss things and whoever did the captioning job for baby driver on amazon prime uh they knew their shit because not only was uh like the guitar sh- were the guitar strums like timed it would say like strings gently rising <laughs> <laughs> guitar strum low guitar strum like they would pop up as they were happening and then like you know that's how the song starts and then and then the song really starts like on that first that's when it said John Spencer Blues Explosion plays bell bottoms. <laughs> like they waited until the song got started before they credited the song. And then I had kind of a hard time paying attention to the movie because I didn't know that like the lyrics of this song. It's fucking it's the John Spencer Blues Explosion. He's just barking weird shit. And then they had like transcribed his lyrics going on at the bottom. <laughs> and I was like, oh weird. Oh, it's oh, I guess he is saying she got them. <laughs> you know over and over again yeah yeah weird so i was like reading his lyrics for the first time also i don't know it's just it's watch the movie with captions if you've watched it a bunch of times and you just want to see in a different way because whoever did the captions they they timed everything correctly and i think they transcribed things in ways that blew my mind a little bit and then there's that bell bottom sample at the end of the movie <laughs> wait there's a there's a bell bottom sample at the end. The song that goes over the credits is a Danger Mouse produced song with Run the Jewels and and Big Boy, and it's a uh, it's a song called Chase Me. It's it's them rap basically rapping over bell bottoms. Oh shit! I don't think I noticed that. Um, man, 
<laughs> well, I got to listen to that now. Um, are you are yeah. you surprised that they haven't been sampled more in hip hop? Uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, now that you mention it. Um, I mean, I guess I don't know that that they haven't, but um but but just that they haven't uh if they have been that they haven't made it any bigger than how they were used in this movie. I mean, I also feel like again like their level of popularity is appropriate. Um, but I actually never saw the movie until last night. I just kind of knew about it because of, uh, well, I like Edgar Wright. I just, you know, have a, have kids yeah, so I don't get, get to the movies uh, as much as I'd like. And, it's uh, so cr- oh, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. Good. I was like, it's so crazy that you didn't see it till recently because when I watched it in the theater, when that scene started, I immediately was like, oh my gosh, this is going to like blow Phil's mind. <laughs> and then I was like, yeah. hey, Phil, did you watch Baby Driver? We should talk about it. And you're like, oh, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, no, I just don't. I mean, I haven't been, I, I don't get to the movies that often because um, of, ki- of kids. <laughs> and then because of coronavirus now, I never go to the movies. So actually, I should be seeing more, uh, but I'm just so busy all the time. Uh, but I made the time to see Baby Driver, and I was very happy to do it. I, I, I can see why you picked uh, specifically this for me, for specifically me, uh, not just because of John Spencer Blues Explosion, but because there's so many other songs on here that uh, that like I know you and I have had conversations about or that feel very much like, uh, like a kind of uh, mix CD we, one of us would have put together in the, in the you know, late 90s early 2000s there's like a lot of stuff on this soundtrack that that uh that feels like if like if there were maybe like four songs that they replaced like i might and and they replaced them with like very specific four other songs i might have to like sue them for stealing my likeliness in some way (laughs) because there's so there's so much stuff on here i keep on wanting to say like you and Edgar Wright would be best friends because you pretty much have the same <laughs> musical taste. It's obviously, bizarre. Obviously, there's more to friendship than that, but like, <laughs> I just felt like this is such a... I mean, and if you go back to Scott Pilgrim versus the world as well, where he has yeah. Beck writing the Sex Bomb songs, and you know, I think Dan the Automator uh, yeah. makes the music for, uh-huh. for the Dancing Ninja video game and stuff like that. <laughs> well, I was that, like, this that... is so up our alley, right? I know. I mean, that movie, I mean... So I, I think I've seen I'm, I'm sure there's something of his that I haven't seen And I know I haven't seen like Spaced But Edgar Wright movies have all been Everyone that I've seen has been very very good I think previous to this I think Hot Fuzz Was probably my favorite um, But uh, but Scott Pilgrim Like yeah watch the experience of watching That the first time is just like From how How like expertly They deployed Bill Hader As the like voice Of the of the uh like video game intros <laughs> like f- you know start battle you know uh right down to you know i don't know just down to like the f- bizarre physical jokes of michael Sarah like wiping his hands on separate towels in the bathroom <laughs> or like uh uh i don't know like that that movie just seems like here guys I know you, you will like these things. And me, like me and our friends were just like, yeah, we like all of these things. This is a great movie. Uh, but this feels baby driver feels more like, uh, 
I, it feels like uh, his first serious movie in a way. Like, yeah, I can see that. It's filled with the kinds of things and hot fuzz that he did as a joke, as like a, aren't action movies silly for all having this moment, you know? And Baby Driver had a ton of those moments, like, like he like, you know, callback, like kind of silly callbacks, but meaningful callbacks to like things they said to each other. Um, and uh, and it's the kind of thing that that before would be like he would do as a joke but here he's doing it and it like it works it works it's like what you do in like a big heisty action movie um and that it's set to 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 music that i mostly love it's uh it it feels strange it's it feels strange <laughs> for me like can you Im- i can't imagine if all of these songs that i love were in a movie that was bad like i would be <laughs> not happy about it you know oh so you know so on the soundtrack there's a song called is he slow and it's like it's um a bunch of dialogue that's like chopped and screwed it it's it's kind of in reference to what he's doing in the movie where he's recording these conversations and then remixing them right um you know you know who's actually mixing that song it's actually kid koala behind the scenes actually making this song (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's awesome I saw Kid Koala once at a record store performance oh okay so it was, it was Deltron so it's you know Del the Funky Homo Sapien and Kid Koala and Dan the Automator and when Eunice and I were dating I took her to the show and I was like I was like it's gonna be cool like it's 90s hip hop you love 90s hip hop and she's like I've never heard of Deltron and I was like, you'll like them, you'll like them. They've got like a real DJ, his name's Kid Koala, um, Dan the Automator's the producer, and Del the Funky Homo Sapien. Like, you know Del the Funky Homo Sapien. Like, when you hear him rap, you'll know who he is. And so we go to the yeah. show, and we have a great time. And um, when we're leaving, I'm driving off. Uh, so when we're leaving, I'm driving, and Eunice is on her phone. And she goes, what? And I'm like, what's wrong? And she had pulled up Wikipedia, and I guess Kid Koala's Wikipedia page has a picture of him DJing in a koala suit. And she was like, (laughs) Uh why? Like, he was just, like, in regular clothes. Like, why didn't we get him in the koala suit? Like, I didn't know that he came out in a koala suit. (laughs) And I was like, I think, I don't think he normally DJs in a koala suit. And she's like, I wanted the guy in the koala suit. I didn't want that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I believe that Kid Koala did some stuff for um, Edgar Wright for Scott Pilgrim as well. Oh, wow. You know, I'm not seeing it in the soundtrack, but I know in the movie I heard uh, a handsome boy modeling school song. I wouldn't be surprised. I know I, I know I heard Holy Calamity. <laughs> <laughs> Holy Calamity, Scream Insanity. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know that song. Bear Witness. Who's on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely in near somewhere near the end of that movie because I remember hearing that and going like, again, again, this guy's like picking music from my brain. Yeah, that's another that's um, another yeah, group that we not... bonded over in college was Handsome Boy Modeling School. Handsome Boy Modeling School. 
Because I think we were the only two people that were like excited, like Miho Hattori and Mike D on the same song. <laughs> <laughs> I still, I still put that song on every now and then. Actually, that that Hattori Mike D song. Oh, uh, um, there's also a lot of stuff on there that's like sample, like stuff that is sampled, like that you that like people from the '90s would know would know because it's sampled in like hip hop, right? There's like a like uh, the Harlem Shuffle starts off with these horns that like when I heard those horns I was like oh shit they're putting fucking House of Pain on now right <laughs> and then it was the Harlem Shuffle and I was like oh right right this is like great samples from great music <laughs> um, and it, that also kind of feels like uh, uh, like a thing that I would would have done in on my on my or, or a thing I did do on my like mix CDs like. Um, like I remember I made a mix CD in college when I found out that uh what the sample was that Beck used on on Jackass uh is like this uh um I think it's a Van Morrison cover of a Bob Dylan song so I like made this elaborate CD of like you know here's that Bob Dylan song and then here's Beck and then here's what you think will be another Beck song because it sounds like Jackass, but is actually a Van Morrison song. It's actually not Van Morrison. It's Van Morrison singing that previous Bob Dylan song. I thought I was like some kind of amazing uh, compilation master, but that felt like the kind of thing I would have done uh, on the uh, uh, that he was doing in the soundtrack. Like, oh, here it's not House of Pain. You think it's House of Pain, but it's actually what this actually the sample is originally from. There's just other a lot of the older kind of soul songs that are on the soundtrack. Um, I feel like if I didn't know the song, then I knew, then I had heard that, then I had heard it sampled in another song. You know, I th- I think the first time that we met was actually, um, I think I was over in your dorm in freshman year of college. And you weren't playing Deborah, but I'm pretty sure you were playing um, something by Beck in your room. I think I was playing Mutations or something. You were walking yeah. by to visit someone else, and you passed by the door. You heard what I was listening to, and I remember pretty quickly you were like looking at all my CDs and like commenting on them. And I was like, he knows these things. No one else yeah, knows these things. <laughs> you were definitely playing like some Beck deep cut. It wasn't like you were playing the riff from Loser, and I was like, oh, you're playing Beck. <laughs> Like it was definitely like something from Mutations or, you know, definitely, um, you know, definitely not one of the Odelay singles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had all, we didn't have a lot of space in those dorms. So I had all my uh, CDs in a drawer that was like probably meant for, uh, you know, stationary, but I crammed it all with, with music. And I just remember you, I remember you or me opening it and you just like staring down in it and like rifling through it with your fingers and like I think I remember you pulling out John Spencer Blues Explode. You uh I also um you had like but at that point you had already interviewed Mike Watt. I remember that that came up and I was just like who's this guy who talks to Mike Watt and knows the John Spencer Blues Explosion? Oh uh, yeah. That was that was a couple of years before. Um Yeah, that it was it was weird because they used to have this music festival um, which is actually not too far from where I live now. Um, and they called it This Ain't No Picnic, and they named it after the Minute, the Minutemen song. 
and they had Mike Watt playing it every year. Um, so I got to interview him there. It was really cool. But yeah, then yeah. it, it, end, it ended up being just like it's like 15 minutes down the road from my from my house now. <laughs> some, somehow in my head, I got it. In, I, I got it into my head that 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 this ain't no picnic somehow evolved into Coachella, but that's not true, is it? No, was that's this not ain't true. no pic? Was this ain't no picnic not a Golden Voice thing? I mean, I think it was a Golden Voice thing, but I think. I don't know. I don't think it evolved into Coachella. Hmm. Because there was, because there was the this ain't no picnic for like a couple of years, right? Yeah, or I was think there it only was the for. One? I think it was for three years. Uh huh. And then. And then but Coachella, Coachella started, right? But I thought Coachella started as a rave. Oh, did it start as a rave? Maybe they. Yeah. Maybe they like. Maybe this ain't no picnic and Coachella overlapped for like a year. And then they realized, like, oh, like, we can just have this ain't no picnic become Coachella, and the ravers will go to one side, so- will go to the tents, and everyone will else will go to like stages, and every and we'll get all of them to go for like five thousand dollars. And but Mike Watt's were- not invited. <laughs> <laughs> Has he never played Coachella? I think in he any, might have played with like form? the Stooges, probably with probably with Iggy. Probably with Iggy. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he's played, but like they didn't they didn't name Coachella after a Minutemen song. That's true. That's true. Do you remember in college we used to go to Tower Records at midnight for brand new releases? <laughs> I do. I do remember that. Uh, which tower did we go to though? I can't. Re- that, that's the thing. Like, uh, I thought I've been thinking a lot about this recently about how I used to go t- at midnight uh, uh, to Tower, but uh, I don't remember which one. So it would be midnight on Monday. We'd be like Monday night, right? Yeah. Because records used to be come out on Tuesday. It was the one in Costa Mesa, um, I think. When, when we were freshmen, wasn't there a, like a warehouse music or like a blockbuster music or something in that um, in that plaza across the street from the university where they shot that pavement video? <laughs> Yeah, um, there was a warehouse over there, and that warehouse is how we discovered that pavement shot part of Gold Sounds there, because <laughs> we were watching we were watching <laughs> that uh, like the behind the scenes thing on that Slow Century DVD, mm-hmm. and I was like, that looks yeah, that like our warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> it was our <laughs> warehouse, you know, like it became our warehouse. <laughs> but I don't remember like it closed. I don't remember going there after freshman year, right? Like it closed. I feel like it closed pretty quickly. I think it closed in 2002 or 2003. I think I got like the green album there. Or no, I, I maybe I got the green album there, but I definitely got Kid A there. Right. I got Kid A there. Cause, the last thing I think I got yeah. there was like original pirate material by the streets. Oh, wow. Okay. I remember buying that there. Like when I I moved to Chicago shortly after uh, college and um, it took me a while to find like my places that I could go at midnight. There were actually none um, that were open here that that I knew of or that I could get to easily. And and then um, 
everyone in town was talking about this record shop. I won't name it because I don't want to slander it, but it, like, oh, this is the best record shop in town. You should go to this record shop. And I remember the day that um, I think Malkmus came out with Face the Truth the same day that Sleater Kinney came out with like The Woods or something like that. That sounds wrong. Um, but there were two records that came out the same day, and I'm pretty sure one of them was Face the Truth. Uh, maybe like Stereo Lab or something. But I wanted to get those two records, and I went to this supposed great shop that I should go to because everyone goes to this shop, figuring oh, they'll at least have one of those records, and they had neither. Uh, and I remember being so angry coming home and thinking about times that I had been burned by that Tower Records that you were just brought up. Um, for like I remember once going to get um, uh, Hail to the Thief uh, with our friend with our mutual friend Patrick uh, we reserved it we gone there to get some other records some other time and we like knew Hail to the Thief was coming out we saw that there was a big poster that said like reserve your like special edition Hail to the Thief you know it's like with the book and like the fold out map or whatever and we were like, yeah, let's get the fucking special edition Hail to the Thief. So, like, we all pre-ordered it. And, uh, like, day of, I remember, like, I I got mine. They had mine. I'd reserved it. Patrick also reserved it. And they did not get his. <laughs> oh, that sucks. I don't remember that. Like, you don't remember that? No, it was it was a it was like one fiasco after another because then later on we had gone to like Berkeley for like spring break or something and they had a tower over there on like Telegraph and he was like, "Oh, I still have that voucher. Why don't I fucking get my Hail to the Thief?" And then because the tax is different there, it was like a like an hour fiasco trying to work out like what the hell was going on. <laughs> it was like, "Why why are we 20 cents off?" And it's just like, "Just here's 20 cents. I don't care. Just give me my record." <laughs> I should have been given this, you know, months ago. I was trying to push us to like happier times at Tower Records. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's definitely happier times. I remember you got the John Spencer Blues Explosion album Red Fang there at midnight. Ah, uh uh-huh. I think that was their last Matador record. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, Yeah. It had some pretty cool packaging too, but it was not that good a record. But I think it had B sides um, with like Elliot Smith on it, and we were like, "We got to listen to this at oh. midnight." <laughs> uh, what else did we get at midnight there? Uh, I think you got Fugazi's "The Argument." Ooh, ooh, that's a great record. Um, that would have been like two thousand three. Yeah. Uh, things like that. Yeah. Um, I remember I remember getting uh, Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots at midnight. Oh, wow. And then we proceeded to go see Beck and the Flaming Lips play together, and that show blew our minds. That, yeah. Yeah, that show still kind of blows my mind. But that was a great time. <laughs> we, you know, as, uh, as we stated earlier, we did bond over Beck uh, when we first met. Um, Beck is also on the Baby Driver soundtrack with Deborah. Yeah, that and that song Deborah. I mean, everyone love. I mean, everyone who knows Beck or 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 at least like love love '90s Beck um, knows that Deborah is probably like his greatest song. Um, and uh, and that really it 
you know, and it, it it's as, probably as great a song, but it also feels like a deep cut. I think it's kind of deep cutty. Do you do you feel that way, or is it too? Do you think it's too too funny to be a deep cut? I mean, it. it I think it's kind of one of those songs where like all the fans know it. Like you know that you're talking to like a true Beck fan when you can talk to them about yeah. Deborah. So it's kind of a deep cut in that way. I, I definitely. Were, like convinced people of Beck's greatness in college because of that song um but uh but I remember the first time I heard about it he w- was on uh, it was on the Odelay tour and I was one of those those like early internet you know high school middle school dorks who would like go to like the message boards like I was a big big on like alt.music.beck or like alt.music.sonic-youth or whatever you know right alt.music.name a band and i was probably on that message board probably not posting but definitely reading everything um and uh and i remember i was all geared up to see beck on the odelay tour and i'd like never gone to a concert before or not like on my own you know and not something that I wanted to see. Um, and uh, I was like reading about like set lists. I was like le- reading what he was playing. And there was always the song that everyone wrote at the bottom near the end called I Want to Get With You and Your Sister Deborah. Because no one knew that it was just going to be called Deborah. And I think he even introduced it as I Want to Get With You, Pause, and Your Sister Deborah. Uh, and so I was like all excited about it or I would like read people's reviews of shows and they would all like spend like a paragraph on just this song <laughs> and how great it is. So I was like all hyped to see this, to see this song. And it like, you know, I saw him in Santa, I saw him at the Santa Monica civic center in 1996, I think. And it was, and it delivered, it truly delivered. Uh, uh, and then when like years later when it when it when he put it out on uh on Midnight Vultures, it was like an even better version than than like I had heard live, than I had like been able to get on bootlegs. He like performed it on that like uh what was that PBS show with uh Austin City Limits? With Chris No. No, 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 no. The 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 New York one. There was like there was like the the NPR the like KCRW guy did like a Oh, it was called Sessions at West 54th. Do you remember Sessions at West 54th? I do now. Yeah, there was like a Ben Folds 5 episode that was, I think it was a Ben Folds 5 Beck episode. Oh, crazy. Uh, and it was like how I l- learned about Ben Folds 5. But the Beck episode was like the first that I knew of, like broadcast recorded version of Deborah. And and uh, I didn't, I just didn't imagine that it would fit on an album, let alone that the whole album would be like an album of Deborah's. <laughs> uh, so when that album came out and Deborah was like the centerpiece of it, but it was also like the end of like, you know, 12 jokes that are very similar. Uh, it, it just felt like this embarrassment of riches. And, you know, uh, I was very happy to, to, to see it in this, in the movie and in the soundtrack too. Um, and then the soundtrack, what else is on? There's like Egyptian reggae. Like I, I love yeah, Jonathan, Jonathan Richmond. Richmond. Um, and I think that's like one of the few uh, Modern Lovers songs that he still like play. Like I've seen him a few times and I think he's played Egyptian reggae both or at least twice. That's two, two of the times I've seen him. Um, 
what else is on there? There's an RE. There's a. I I recently went through an REM phase. Oh, I did too. And specifically, you did yeah, too. Yeah, I did. What? Where? 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 Where were you? Where were you in your REM phase? Like, what? Where have you landed? Um, a lot of adventures in hi-fi. Oh no, shit. Yeah. Um, that's not where I've been, but I have. I have definitely reassessed it as good. Like, I was not into that record when it came out. Yeah, me neither. But now I'm like, oh. And I was like, what? This is a, no, this is like a great, this is like a, the, like the band, like knowing each other, you know, like knowing each other's nuances. And it's a great record. Oh. Patty Smith. Yeah. That, that um, first song no, I want to sample to a hip hop beat. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's a good idea. Um, no, I've been all automatic for the people. And um, and a lot of their early stuff, but automatic for the people. I think that just is always going to be my favorite REM record. And I like kind of didn't listen to REM for a long time. This is like another weird connection. The first talent show that I got in in um, middle school was with uh, an REM song. Was with. Uh, uh, it's. I knew I would get in because it was. It's. If I knew that if I just could remember most of the lyrics to "It's the End of the World as We Know It" and I feel fine, that we could probably play it terribly, but we would still get right. in. And I and I was right. We probably played it terribly, but we still got in. <laughs> um, and uh, and yeah, and I just kind of like I at hi-fi at new adventures in hi-fi i remember being so disappointed with it when it came out that i just kind of forgot all about rem after that like i didn't like hate them or write them off completely but i definitely like wasn't interested in new rem um but uh i don't know i just kind of forgot about them until recently i listened to um do you know that podcast uh song song exploder yeah I heard them them their episode of it where they talked about uh uh try not to breathe which is I think the second or third song off of uh, automatic for the people and like I just like completely forgot about that song and was like like oh what a beautiful wonderful song and then I put that record on and then like I listened to nothing but REM for like a month <laughs> um but a lot of it was automatic for the people and uh the new orleans instrumental number one or i think that's what it's called but that instrumental song is on is in this movie um and it comes at like a nice kind of breather moment where you kind of like need things to calm down uh and it just kind of also like perfectly sets the tone uh for what happens and it just the the use of music in this movie is Top notch. Thank you, Phil, for coming on the podcast. Uh, please check out Phil's group, Rubber Spaniel. You can find them on Spotify. You can also find Phil on Twitch under the name Kerslip, which is K E R. Was K E R S. L-Z-P. I don't really know how it's pronounced either. I say Kerslip. It was a random thing I. I just smacked my keyboard and, and stuck with it, and I've stuck with it for too many years. So, uh, so what's but that Twitch account again? Can you spell it out one more time? 
K E R S L Z P Kerslizip. I um you can hear rubber spaniel stuff on there and I twitch fairly current games. I stream fairly current games and um and a lot of old school mostly Nintendo games too. So check it out. Yeah, thanks Phil. Let's do it again. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much, Ryan. Thanks for joining us this week on Soundtrack Your Life. Make sure to visit our website, SoundtrackYourLife.net, where you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too.